hey, I'm not in a library, but I'm also whispering to let you know that I actually am editing a new episode right now. It'll probably be up this weekend, because I'm slow as heck. See ya. That was Milo Axelrod from Describing Iraq. Leaving me a message. I left Milo a message. I sang a theme song and uh, for Describing Iraq and also I called from a library. It felt like the right thing to do and the perfect time to do it. So I left a message for Milo for the Describing Iraq podcast and now I just received a message. These are the kinds of fun things that one can do if they have the Anchor app, anchor.fm. It is the easiest way to make a podcast. I can't say enough great stuff about Anchor and how this app has enriched my life. I even started writing my first screenplay thanks to this. It inspires. Once you get going, the momentum gets moving and it keeps inspiring and keeps inspiring more and more ideas. More and more thoughts are generated. More and more epiphanies strike the antenna. And you just can't help yourself. You've got to get it. You've got to get it down. This is like my new religion. I'm telling everybody about it. It's a cult, really. A culture. Culture of phenomenality. Or as Living Color would say, a cult of personality. A lot of personalities out here doing these podcasts thanks to Anchor. I've been inspiring or rather just telling people about starting their own. And we're very fortunate now. Man Behind the Machine has a podcast. Forgotten Tales has a podcast. Craig Spivak ideally will soon have a podcast. So all of these people, well, we got Ken Lear out there. He's got he's he's got uh, an, the Anchor app. So these guys, these friends of mine, in addition to any anybody who has Anchor, they are all collaborators. All these possible collaborators. So when I started reaching out. And leaving theme songs, one-minute theme songs, sometimes even less, sometimes 15 seconds. Leave these theme songs for these these various podcasters on Anchor. I did not expect them to publish these theme songs. I did not expect them to find my messages and leave me a message back. So now we've got Describing Iraq... Over the thread, autonomous cars, 
learning a new learning a new language dogs there's one we just did dogs dogs so the dogs I mentioned in the last episode because they added my theme song to their podcast recently it's fun to see this happening and as a result of that now I'm hearing some of these people enticing others to leave them messages so they'll play the theme song and they'll go okay that was this theme song by Inspirato Projecto and if you'd like to contribute if you'd like to collaborate please send me a message let's collaborate whole new worlds are opening whole new worlds anchor is the place where Venn diagrams go to meet they ought to hire me to come up with slogans this is the first one if there ever was a t-shirt or a bumper sticker for anchor it would be this anchor where Venn diagrams go to meet that's what it's all about Every single one of these podcasters has an idea. They're inspired by something. They're putting something out there. I don't care how lazy you make your podcast. Heck, set out to make your podcast the lazy podcast. Make it make it the lazy podcast. Use it as a vehicle to inspire others who are lazy to, quote, hang out, unquote, together. Hang out. Audiobly, 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 audiobly. Hang out, audiobly. Do it virtually, digitally, pixelly. You will be very surprised. You have a life that no one else has lived. You have a life that many others can relate to on many, 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 many levels. Many, 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 many levels. So why not put your opinions out there? Opinions. Mm. Yeah, whatever you want. Epiphanies. Epiphanies. Put your epiphanies out there. Put your revelations out there. Put your dreams, your synchronicities. Put all that stuff that you don't feel comfortable talking with people about. Make an alias. That's the easiest way to do it, really. Make an alias. Come up with a name. This podcast could very well be the thing that saves you. The thing that saves your creativity. All of us need that safe place. I frequently say that art is the last safest place. Art is the safe place that we should be able to go to. And yet even somehow the idea of art has become tainted by overcritical, overthinking uh, it's just like games. Games, whether it's football, sport, uh, Baseball, those things, these these are all things that that kids are doing. We grow up doing. 
And then someone comes along and they go, oh, we can make some money with this stuff. I see how it's inspiring people. Let's, I see it's drawing a crowd. Let's leverage this. How do we squeeze money out of this thing? And then next thing you know, you got art critics. Next thing you know, you got, you got people spending and making millions of dollars playing these sports. People losing their lives over it because of betting, because of anger, people getting heart attacks, migraines, because they're screaming, yelling, freaking out, beating people up. Everyone's heard of the soccer hooligans, right? Soccer, it's a fun game, it's a game you play. Art, art, art is, it's the safest place to go. There should never be anybody saying, oh, I can't draw. Oh, I'm not an artist. At what point in history did people actually start saying that out loud and believing it? Ugh. It's just gross. How is that ever allowed? That thought, how is that ever allowed to grow? Who's, who, who started that mindset? I'm not an artist. So, folks, Anchor can be your last safe place. If people tell you, oh, you're always talking, you're always talking, well, guess what? People like to hear people talk. There are communities of people out there who like to listen to podcasts. Believe it or not, they listen to it on their way to work. They listen to it while they're waiting in line at, at uh, Dunkin' Donuts. They listen to it while they're walking down the street. They listen to it while they're skateboarding, riding their bike, having picnics, etc., etc. So, why not give an unknown amount of people out there in the world, why not give them the opportunity? to be inspired by your words why not give them the opportunity to relate you might say something in your podcast that strikes a chord so deeply with someone because they too are going through that same thing maybe you're having a tricky time maybe you're a mathematician you're having a tricky time you're, you're coming up with this proof and you're just like oh right on the edge of this thing Why not, why not talk about it? Some of you like building cars. Some of you like baking, cooking, all that stuff. This is something where you set, you set the, you know, you got your smartphone, you hit record, you set it down, you go, okay, today you're going to sit here with me for an hour. Uh, either A, I will not be finished cooking by the end of that hour. Or B, I will have finished cooking within that hour. Either way, there's going to be something in there that someone is going to like. Think about this. The TV show Big Brother. People spend money. A friend of mine would buy the subscription to Big Brother online so he could watch these people. These are people who are going through their day sleeping 
eating, taking a crap, playing cards, walking around barefoot, just the everyday things of life. And humans are paying money to watch other humans live their lives. It's like playing the game Sims. I don't know about you, when I started playing Sims, I neglected my own housework because I was too busy trying to get that little digital person's housework in order. I was trying to feed their fish, trying to find enough, carve enough time for them to go to work, have a social life, throw a party, eat, clean up, all that. And while that was happening, my dishes weren't getting washed. My carpet was not getting vacuumed. My trash was not getting taken out. Main thing is, there's something fascinating about peeking into other people's lives. Whether it be a video game, whether it be a reality show, why are reality shows so popular? So folks can look in on that and go, oh, this is what the life of a family living in the freaking Alaskan, you know, there's that family that lives out there, out in, they just live out in nature. Hunters and gatherers, nomads, they, they build their own houses, they live out there in, the, in nowhere, our TV shows, everything we're doing, it's an anomaly for these folks. So we're fascinated with peering into these other lives. And plus, you have something important to say. Use the podcast to rant, to rave, to get it off your chest. Maybe you got a nine-to-five job. And you just, you just, ugh, you can't, it turns your stomach. You can't stand it. Well, use your lunch break to bitch and moan about your job. Use your car ride home. Turn on your podcast. Sit it next to you. Put it on your dashboard. And just that ride home. Just bitch and moan about your podcast. Get it off your chest. Use this thing as a therapy session. You know? Instead of going out and getting those uh, those pills from your doctor... Instead of spending all that money for the therapist, use this as your therapy session. It is surprising how many various formats of all kinds of things. There are bands out there that build their careers around music. That sounds like this. And guess what? They have fans. They have people buying their t-shirts, their magnets, their bumper stickers, buying their CDs, their albums, buying the Japanese import vinyl. And it baffles me. And it baffles many others. And to those who love that stuff, it baffles them as to why anyone would not like it. How interesting is that? So the point of the podcast is not to start with at least my thoughts are to not start off a podcast going 
oh, well, who's going to listen to this? Or, you know, uh, it, oh, it's not going to get popular. What, you know, what? It's not going to become the best iTunes podcast, so why am I going to do it? That's not the point. The point is to have some place to vent your spleen. I had an I had an English class many years ago in high school, and you know, kids were complaining and everything. And this sweet, sweet older lady, what was her name? Sweet older lady. She said, "You are going to vent your spleen. This is called vent your spleen. Talk about the things that bother you. Talk about things that you like. Talk about things that you think." You know, improvements. You don't have to put your name on it. Just let me know. And my words were sometimes I feel like a nut and sometimes I don't. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Use this as your opportunity to vent your spleen. Heck, make it your mission to be the first podcast that does only 30-second podcasts. How about that? Or one-minute podcasts. That's it. 30 minutes or one minute or whatever you want. Whatever you want. If you go over to Man Behind the Machines podcast, you'll hear some great experimental sounds. Do that. Do a podcast of only your cat's purring. Do a podcast of your little kids speaking gibberish. Oh my God, how precious is that? Could you imagine that? Every time your little kid is talking, record that sound. All you pregnant mothers out there, every time the baby starts kicking your belly, start recording it. Put that microphone right up next to that belly. See if there's any sound coming out of there. This is well-documented, archived think about this all this stuff is for your future self your future self is 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 looking back on all this stuff right now give them something fun to think about give them memories that you could even do a podcast called memory lane where you just go through all the great times that you had all the great times all the wonderful successful things that you that you uh, have done in your life all the things that you're proud of It's awesome because you start noticing that the more that you're putting it out there, the more accountable to yourself you are, the more you're allowing an invisible populace, your friends could be listening to your podcast, people you've never even met before could be listening to your podcast. Please send me any audio you got. Send it to inspiradoprojecto at gmail.com. Inspiradoprojecto at gmail.com. Send it to me. I'll play it on the show. It's so much fun. I love collaborating. And you have a collaborative spirit. Maybe you're not doing a podcast because you heard the word no one too many times in your life. No, 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 no. No, 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 no
Well, where's that person right now? If they're sitting in the next room, go outside, take a walk, start your podcast. You deserve every everyone deserves their laboratory. Everyone deserves their 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 playground. Everyone deserves their 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 solitude. Everyone deserves the place where they can let loose, be themselves, be in their element. That's what we all really want is to be in our element. When we're in our element, we are our really truly shining through our true self. And enabling the best version of us to come come out and be seen, to be experienced by us, to be experienced by unknown entities, because those vibes just go wah 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 you could be affecting the person in the apartment above you below you, next to you, just by your vibes, just by your vibes, your heart beating, bam, all of our hearts speak to each other. So give yourself the gift to make a podcast for yourself. Just do it for you. Don't even let anybody know about it. Or you could. Do the podcast your future child. Do the podcast, make a podcast for your current child. Give them wisdom. Do it for your child. Make a podcast. Let them listen to it later on as they grow up so they can hear what they did, the conversations that you had while they were growing up. I would love it if right now, if my parents said, hey, guess what? By the way, here are a bunch of recordings that we that we did with you when you were at this young age, and here are some of your ideas and philosophies and stuff. Wow, that's fantastic. That would be awesome to hear. I bet you there's lots of stuff that my younger self has said that could inspire his future self, a.k.a. me, right now. So please do yourself the opportunity. Make a podcast. If not, get the Anchor app and then at least be a guest on my show. Then you can call me up. You can leave messages on my uh, my anchor podcast page you can leave me messages and then I'll incorporate them into this I incorporate every message that's given to me hey that's just what I do man that's just what I do so if you like this podcast feel free to subscribe it's available out there on iTunes it's available in many different uh, perhaps you're listening to this on an app one of those podcast apps there are a lot of podcast apps now Maybe you're searching through. By the way, right now there's a uh, there's a website called Blueberry 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 B L U B R R Y I believe. This is a directory. This is one of the top podcasting directories, at least in my searches. When I looked for searches for podcast directories, this was listed up there with Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. I haven't gotten this on the Spotify yet. There's certain podcast services you have to pay for, and then they submit it to Spotify. So we'll see. We'll see. We might be on Spotify before you know it. So this one, Blueberry, is one of the top podcasting sites. They, I, I list, uh, I list Inspirato Projecto as arts under the category arts. So this is the top arts program on Blueberry right now that is an honor to think that this podcast has climbed through the way that it has 
It is phenomenal. It's just picking up steam. I'm looking through business cards. I'm going to get some business cards made. I'm going to be leaving those out there for the populace. I'm going to get some buttons made by Meat Clown Buttons. Great, very inexpensive button-making company. They make one-inch buttons, one-inch and a quarter, and at three, I think three-inch buttons, too. They're also uh, one of our official sponsors who you will periodically hear on the show. So that's all for now. More to come. Who? What will it be? I don't know. It's whatever the universe wants to give me. But you're, you'll be sure to hear it. You'll be sure to hear it. Thanks for listening. Please, for crying out loud, keep the Inspirado flowing. Oh, oh. And now for something completely different. to feel good each and every single moment. If we are to believe that there is no actual time, that it's all just one moment, one now, one now, one now, one now, one now, one now, one. It's kind of funny when you get right down to it, the root. We keep playing with language, 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 language. Language, gauge, a gauge, language, a gauge, a gauge for lang, lan, lan, what's language, land, landscape, language, lando Calrician. The more you play with language, it's funny how. 
the more open the imagination goes and how easy it is that imagination can just flow when we give it full access to the inventory we let it drive we say you go ahead and say what you want to say move forward move forward I'm not judging you who's that big judge that a lot of us have in our brains I'm judging you Ah, that person who's over there taking notes. Person there, ah, in the chair. Oh, they look serious. Ruffle their brow. They got a collar on. They got a, they got a suit, blazer, nice blazer with the with the pads on the pockets. Just serious. With their pad of paper, yeah, taking notes, yeah, giving grades, yeah, terrible. Then you got the yapper over there, the heckler. Oh God, they look so stupid. Oh, that's so ugly. Ah, yeah. The C3PO going. Are you sure that's going to work? The odds of this happening, the statistics of that happening. You got the person that. What? Dude, that's gonna kick your ass, break your bones? That's just the ultimate fear, getting our bones broken, feeling the pain, dying, no longer existing. So, it's interesting, if we go to the root of what makes each of those kinds of personalities tick, the person who's gonna break your bones, what's their psychology like? Why are they like that? Their own dissatisfaction. Their own self, lack of self-worth. Self-critic, big time self-criticism. So they can't reconcile it within themselves, so then they just take it out on the people around them. So, now that we understand that psychology, and if we were to place ourselves in the shoes of the other person truly, now, bam, now we know. That's the starting point we can relate to him with. Person who's sitting there taking notes, you know, aren't you, you know, that's, that's not right, that's, you know, that's not tucked in, that's not the right color. Person with the expertise, basically, I think at the root of it, they just want to show off the knowledge that they have. They've gone down these paths, they've explored these certain paths, and maybe they haven't gotten accolades for the hard work that they put out there, for the, the deep diving, the deep investigating, particularly if they're highly inspired by intellectuals out there, whether it be other authors, whether it be philosophers, etc., 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 and especially if those influences have influenced them, and they're trying to be that next thing. They want, they want their words to be quoted. You know, they want everything they say to be a quote. So they can be quoted. They can be remembered. That their importance was recognized. That they got respect. That their dignity was appealed to. Being very dignified. Ah. That they were applauded for being serious and working so hard. Working so hard. Working so hard. Wow. Congratulations. What does that what does that mean? It means less time away or less less time hanging out with the family, less time 
painting, less time drawing, less time letting loose, just being. That's the, that's the root of it, really, ultimately. Just being. Just being. I understand exploring expertises, etc., 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 for the pure love of that. But then to come, up that, to come up with that expectation that you must be recognized for it. That does not equal a direct connection. I work so hard, I should be... I should be... Okay, well, who, who do you expect is going to award that to you? There must be something wrong in the cogwheel there. Is it the attitude, perhaps? Perhaps it's a just grumpy, grumpy attitude that's been brought, brought with everywhere. The critic, the critique, they're going to look for what's wrong. They're going to look for what's, what's not connected. They're going to look for one of these things is not like the other. They're going to spend their days trying to fix those things. Fix it within themselves because they can't reconcile the idea of cooperation, collaboration, making agreements, finding the harmony, finding the harmony, finding the harmony. Finding all the yes, turning on all the light switches. So then you got the C-3PO, the facts, the figures, the, uh-oh, what if this terrible thing happens? What if that terrible ha thing happens? The warrior. What if this terrible thing happens? What if that terrible thing happens? The odds of this, the, 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 the analytics of that, the... Maybe that's a person who's afraid, a person who just wants to be certain, a person who doesn't like surprises. You know what? I'll say persona. I'll just use the word persona. As Ellen Watts had, had pointed out to me, persona, persona. In the theater, what you were putting on was the persona. Persona. So we're putting on these personas. Identity is a persona. Identity is a persona. Hello. Hello, this is... Oh, gosh, what's that guy? Hello, this is George Takai. You might recognize me from Star Trek. I am the only Asian crew member on Star Trek. If you remember, I pushed the buttons, I moved the levers, I switched the switches, and I turned one color into a different color on a screen next to me on a control panel. That is what I did. Me, George Takai. Oh, George, when did you show up? I just showed up now. So, George, I once worked with William Shatner. Oh, did you? Yes, well, I, I was uh, standing on the... Was it Boston Legal? Maybe, perhaps. I think it was. I think it was Boston Legal. That was the one with uh, the guy who's in... Six Lies in Videotape. I love that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that guy? I can't remember either. However, I would like to plug my musical. Can I do that? Oh, sure, sure, sure. I heard something about that. Your musical? Yes. It is about 
a young child who rises through poverty goes against the odds and rises to stardom. That sounds great. Yes, I hope I didn't give too much away. No, you didn't. Anyway, on with your story about meeting William Shatner. Well, I was standing in for Henry Gibson. The little guy on Laugh-In, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And he was also, he was, he was the Nazi, he was the Nazi gentleman on the Blues Brothers. Yes, yes, which I was an orphan in. Did you know that, George? No, I didn't know that. So yeah, I was, I was an orphan in Blues Brothers, and I met John Belushi. I met him on the beach. I always tell this story. I think I was six years old at the time on the beach of Wakanda, Illinois. My mom, Terry, was there. We were on the beach, and there's this funny, funny big fat guy. And talking with us. He was wearing his black pants, black jacket, white shirt, black tie, black sunglasses, Ray-Bans, and his black hat, standing on the beach. I remember looking out at that beach, there was this water slide. I remember I wanted to go down that water slide. When are you going to get to the part about meeting William Shatner? Oh yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, okay. I'm just kind of going down memory lane. I understand, but I'm very, I'm very excited to hear how you met William Shatner. Well, all this, all this ties into it, which is miraculous. Oh great, I like those kinds of stories. That's why I did Star Trek. That's why I did Star Trek, because I really like science fiction stories. Well, I think you'll like this story, because it's very science fiction oriented, at least as far as I'm concerned. Oh, wonderful. Onward and upward. Thank you, thank you. So, I was on, on the beach with my mom, and funny fat guy, and he shows me how to make these bear tracks on the beach. He goes, hey, you want to learn how to make bear tracks? I say, yeah, sure. So he, he showed me how to make bear tracks with his hand. And uh, he said, he goes, you could play a funny joke. He said, if you put a bunch of these bear tracks on the beach late at night in the morning, everyone will think that bears escape from the zoo. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is so funny. And then mom says, oh, and mom, mom is looking at him like, just like starstruck, because she, she had seen him on Saturday Night Live doing the Blues Brothers skits. I, I was too young to watch the show at the time. So I had seen pieces of him, like in uh, like uh, promos for uh, Saturday Night Live stuff. But never, you know, a full performance or whatnot. So my mom goes, oh, what are you, a part-time uh, footprint maker? And he goes, yes, actually, one of my favorites is making the footprint for Bigfoot in the Six Million Dollar Man episode. And I flipped out, because that's my favorite episode of all time. That my, I love Six Million Dollar Man, and growing up, that episode, wow, wow, the robot Bigfoot, oh my God, phenomenal. 
And so here was this guy. That's what made him a celebrity in my mind. Holy cow, this funny, this funny fat man did the footprint for six million dollar man and here he is standing right here this is incredible so I was blown away so we met him we laughed a little bit more and then he had to go off and shoot some scenes he had, it was the scene for when the when the uh, car drives past the bluesmobile and they're driving it and there was uh, you know the the you know the blues brothers oh that's what it was so I was in the movie I I actually had lines this is just a side note when will we hear the part about William Shatner Oh, don't worry. We'll get to it. I'm just going down memory lane. Okay, great. I'm very excited to hear it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, this was the scene where they're driving, and that's what confused me. I didn't know what stand-ins were, or body doubles, photo doubles, any of that jazz. So, here I was talking to him, but then off in the distance, I saw the bluesmobile driving with the big with the big uh, loudspeaker on the top, and the, and the two guys dressed up just like him, and I'm like, what? This is so strange. So, I, I it was so crazy to wrap my brain around that. So, uh... We ended up walking along, I think, to go get some food or something at the catering or uh, at the craft service table. And we walked past the wardrobe, and uh, we're talking with them. And uh, we're trying on different hats. And uh, I try on the Blues Brothers hat. And then he, he's like, here, ha, ha, look at that. It's the, uh, it's the Nazi hat. And so he put the Nazi hat on my head. So, oh, and Henry Gibson was the Nazi. That's right. That's right. So, now... So I, 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 uh, so there was that experience, right? And so many years later, so after moving to California, and this was from Chicago, correct? Yeah, the Chicagoland area. Oh, great, good. And came out here to California, and I ended up doing a lot of stand, you know, a lot of uh, background work, a lot of atmosphere, we used to call it. Oh, yeah, atmosphere background work, I did a lot of stand-in work, photo uh, 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 photo double, and so I was doing stand-in work for Henry Gibson on Boston Legal. Oh, that's wonderful. That's what you were saying, and, and William Shatner, he works, he was on that TV show. That's correct. So, uh, that was really cool to see William Shatner in action, and, uh, and when I realized I was standing in for Henry Gibson, I nearly... I was like, what the heck? I got to tell him the story. And he's a short guy. I'm five, six. And I, he, the guy must have been, he's a short guy. Must have been, I don't know, 4'11", maybe? 4'11", I would say. It was startling. So, later on, I saw him. I saw him walking around. I said, Henry Gibson, this is so amazing that I'm standing in for you today, man. This is so crazy. Because many years ago, I was in I was in Blues Brothers and I tried on your Nazi hat. And now here I am, here, here I am standing in for you. This is incredible. And uh he said, oh, that was a great movie, huh? And he's like, oh, this is great. This is miraculous. And he's like, it's a pleasure to meet you. And that was just like, just such a cool, such a cool moment in time. And, uh, oh, at that time, William Shatner had come out with his spoken word CD. And uh, 
So there I was on set. That was that was. Now that I'm thinking about this manifestation of reality, oh my God, this is so crazy. And I'll get. And I want to say one more thing about Blues Brothers. Well, by all means, of course, this is your show. I'm just a guest. Well, actually, well, in a sense, you are a guest. I didn't even know you were here. Well, yes, I was standing right over here by the Christmas tree. By the way, why do you still have your Christmas tree up? Well, because it's. It's an awesome tree. I agree. So it was awesome to see Henry Gibson, talk with him, hang out with him. There was there was a William Shatner. I go up to him and I say, man, I gotta let you know, I've been listening a lot to your latest album and it's awesome. And he goes, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that does sound like William Shatner. Thank you. That's my first time I've ever impersonated William Shatner. Oh, really? I hear people all the time. I bet you do. I bet you do at the conventions. Oh, yes, of course. Those autograph signings all the time. So go on with your Blues Brothers story. You had something else you wanted to say. Correct, correct. So, uh, now rewind back to the Blues Brothers. My lines, these are my lines, and they ended up on the editing room floor, yet I still get residuals, which is awesome, which always makes me wonder, what is Dan Aykroyd making? Which, by the way, I had his autograph. We had his autograph. Uh, Cab Calloway. Cab Calloway, I meant. So I was in the scene with Cab Calloway when he's talking to all the little orphans. And Jeff Cahill, my buddy Jeff Cahill, that's another crazy manifestation of reality. So, okay, so my lines, so I remember they brought all the little orphans out for our lines before I get to the Cab Calloway story. Um, there's at some point we were out there uh, in Grant Park and all these crew members, all these family members sitting on blankets and we had to sit up in front of this microphone and say these lines and I was so bashful and we had to say check it out check it out tonight only from Chicago Blues Brothers Rhythm and Blues Review one night only the fabulous Blues Brothers so we had to say that and so they chop it up in the movie where one kid goes check it out check it out and another kid goes one night only uh, another kid in Chicago you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but my lines ended up on the cutting room floor. I still, so my name is in the credits, which is awesome. Kurt Clendenin. Say that ten times fast. And it's crazy that the one frame where you see me in, you could also, see, well, okay, the one frame where you see my little face in, I'm sharing the screen with Jeff Cahill. It's a, it's, a, it's a scene where we're listening to Cab Calway talk. It cuts to us, close-up of us. My first role is a featured extra. Me and Jeff Cahill, I didn't know it at the time. 32 years later, once I moved here to California, I was six at the time. 32 years later, I moved to California. Turns out Jeff Cahill, and I start, I, I, uh, my dad had planted the seed in my ear. He goes, wouldn't that be interesting if someday you do a movie about finding the blues, the other uh, orphans? You know, it could either be a documentary or a movie about these guys. I thought, oh my God, that's phenomenal. So I decided to call myself I Am An Orphan and kind of use that as a beacon. Boop, 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 boop. You know, it's kind of like, hey, if you know any of the orphans in Blues Brothers, this is my story. You know, I'm, I'm an orphan in Blues Brothers. I'd love to meet up with the other orphans. Well, little did I realize, out here, Jeff Cahill, the same kid that I shared screen time with, was was uh, booking bands at On The Rocks. 
on the rocks, which is above the Roxy, which is on Sunset Boulevard. Roxy, uh, or uh, on the rocks, it turns out, John Belushi used to hang out at all the time back in the day. Jack Nicholson, J uh, John Lennon, all these guys used to hang out at On the Rocks. And here was Jeff Cahill, my fellow orphan, who I didn't even realize was 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 uh, uh, the husband of Jane Line, which is a friend of my buddy Lawrence August. Lawrence August, I've played songs by he and I on here on the podcast, uh, on the radio show too. So there was this interesting cosmic connection. So I'm like, oh my God, that's so crazy. So turns out I end up meeting Jeff Cahill. He ends up booking me there and I go there as I am an orphan, right? So I'm up there at On The Rocks and uh, that's a whole other story about how all that came about. Uh, but I'll say this, I had my I Am An Orphan t-shirt on. I called him up on stage. We sang Rawhide together. It was the only... The, the second time he'd ever been on stage at On The Rocks, the first time was to announce that there was a fire in the building. And so here he was up on stage. We're singing Rawhide together. He's wearing his I'm an Orphan t-shirt. We're going, yeah! My buddy Billy Thomas is playing guitar. Oh, my God, it was crazy. And uh, so I'm like, oh, my God, John Belushi. So it turns out at On The Rocks, that's the place that John Belushi, that was the last place he went before he went to the Chateau Marmont and overdosed on the speedball. So there we were, celebrating our reuniting after 32 years, uh, after being on Blues Brothers. <clears throat> and uh, after the show, it, oh, and this was the other crazy thing. I go to sing, I go to sing uh, one of my Andy Kaufman songs, and there in the audience was my buddy Alex Smart, dressed as Latka. I didn't even know he was out there dressed as Latka. This was around near Christmas time. Or, I mean, uh, Halloween time. So some of the people in the audience were dressed uh, for Halloween. Added to the fact, I, I started out the show dressed as Doctor Who. Tom Baker's Doctor Who. My friend, she, uh, Renee, she, she, she uh, yarned together the frickin' actual scarf that he wore. And so I dressed as him. I wore a wig and everything. So I started dressed as him. Underneath that... I had a, 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 a tuxedo on. <clears throat> I had tuxedo pants. I had, a, I had black tuxedo pants. I had a, a, a black jacket. I'm, a, I'm an orphan shirt on. And so at some point before I sing Rawhide, I, I dis, dis, like while Billy is playing the beginning of Rawhide, I take my uh, wig off. I take my scarf off. I take my coat off. And there I have my... My, 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 uh, I, there I have my tuxedo on. I turn around and I put on this mask on top of my head, which looks like one of the Blues Brothers. So it's like the, it, it goes, it's, it's, uh, like rubbery and just goes like right, right below your nose. And so you could still move your mouth. And then, so you got glasses on and it's got the black hat. It's so funny. It's so funny. So I put that on my head. So I looked like one of the Blues Brothers. So I sang, we sang Rawhide together while I wore that. After the, so after that, I'm like, oh my gosh! So I so then I sing the Andy Kaufman song in honor of Andy Kaufman because you know he would do that on stage where he would turn into Elvis. So that was an homage to him, of course. And I'm about to sing my Andy Kaufman song, and out there is my buddy Alex Smart dressed as Latka. So he comes up on stage and he sits there while I sing the song. So then a few more, you know, a few more songs, whatever. End of the show. Get off stage, and there are two guys. See, this is so funny. Okay, they're. I made a promo song about the event, about the event, and in it I said, 
will the ghost of John Belushi be there with us? And maybe Dan Aykroyd will show up. Maybe he'll make a guest appearance. So I said this in the promo. The ghost of John Belushi will be there with us. And maybe Dan Aykroyd will make a guest appearance. That's how, the, that's how it went. And um, l- before I even knew that John Belushi had died up there at On the Rocks. Before I even knew that. that, that was, I didn't even know that. Uh, or that he hung out there at, uh, at On the Rocks. That he had, there was a history that I had no idea about that. So all this magic surrounding this whole event was momentous. So after the show, get off stage and there are two guys dressed like the Blues Brothers. They had no idea that I was going to be there that night. He didn't know who I was. They didn't know who Jeff Cahill was. But there they were, dressed like the Blues Brothers, and they didn't even know either that John Belushi used to hang out there. And that was the last place that he hung out at before he went to the Chateau Marmont to overdose. I mean, God, there was so crazy. So in a sense, the ghost of John Belushi was there with us, absolutely, on many, on many levels. And Dan Aykroyd made a guest appearance, so to speak. God... Just blew my mind. So much magic surrounding that. That uh, that was a wonderful story. Thank you so much, George Takei. Takai. That was so. It, it was astounding that that happened. So if you get a chance, check out on YouTube. Um, I am an orphan. I also got a SoundCloud page. I am an orphan. This goes for you too. If you know any, of your, oh, and this is the sad thing. Jeff Cahill died a few years ago. Oh, man. I, I, I had just been reunited with him, and I knew him for basically six months. I got to play there at On the Rocks twice. I played there that first time, and I played there a second time. And it, we had such big plans. He's an art, he was an artist, and I still don't know exactly what happened. He died. His stomach was bleeding, and I don't know. He, man, Jeff Cahill, man. Ugh. And now On the Rocks has changed. In, anyway, anyway. Main thing is, Uh, folks, just, just please do the best you can with what you got right now, 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 right now. Dive into it. Dive into it. Appreciate your unique perspective. Appreciate your ability to make an expression. Wow, you're painting this paintbrush in your own personal chosen reality experience. And you already know this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm just excited. See that? As soon as I said that, the, the, the dish in my sink moved right when I said that, that serendipitous moment. You heard it. It caught it on there. Oh, man. I'm speaking through you to your gamma, to, through the gamma rays to you. Which, which gamma rays, if I'm not mistaken, gamma rays are what turned... Which aided uh, Dr. David Banner in becoming the, the Hulk, right? Dr. David Banner. <clears throat> Wait. <clears throat> Dr. David Banner, scientist. <clears throat> Exposed to gamma radiation. <clears throat> Little did he realize. <clears throat> Mr. McGee, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That he would become the Hulk.
number nine. In these weird places you will find in Los Angeles, okay? Bob Baker, Marionette Theater. Perhaps like plenty of others who grew up in Los Angeles, I went to the Bob Baker Marionette Theater as a child. I can still recall this anticipation that set in once the room darkened and the excitement that hit when this puppets danced on the floor. Oh, as an adult, these shows are no less spatial, but the theater's persistence to continue. Charming, young and old, is what's truly strange and beautiful about this spot. Check it out.